Welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Light Seekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Light Seekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back, Seekers, to episode 42 of Need More Buffs. I'm your host, Matt Sonnenberg. This week, I want to try something a little bit different. I was inspired by an email I got from one of the listeners, and he's a newer Lightseekers player, and he had some questions about how to build a good Lightseekers deck. Well, I don't consider myself an expert deck builder by any means, I thought I might be able to help him out a little bit, at least give him some of the basics and get him started and help him figure some of the things out as he works through the process. And with so many new players showing up in our Facebook group and such, I figured this is something that a lot of people are probably wondering about. A lot of new players might be struggling with how to build a good Lightseekers deck. So I wanted to provide my input. I'm hoping it'll help some of you guys out there. So I'm going to give it a try. This week's guest is none other than the man who wrote the email and inspired the idea for this episode. His name is Jacob. And today we're going to help him build a Lightseekers deck. The show notes for this episode can be found at deliverycrab.com slash 042. That's deliverycrab.com slash 042. I think that's about all the introduction I need. So let's get into this and see if it works. And today I have with me Jacob. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks. Glad to hear it. So as I mentioned in the intro, we are doing something a little bit different today that I've never tried before, but I'm hoping it works. I really do because I think it's going to be really cool and really help a lot of people as I know a lot of people are getting into the game right now, especially from a, a, the digital perspective. They may have never touched the cards physically and they're, they're going to have a lot of the same questions you have. So I think this is going to be cool to do live and give people an idea of what's going through your mind and what's going through my mind at the same time. So with that being said, let's find a little bit more about you, Jacob, first to see where you're coming from, something I do with all my guests. Can you give me a brief background of your gaming history? Yeah, of course. So when I was younger, I started out, I think, like a, with a lot of people and uh, started out with video games. Sure. And and as that goes on, you know, that kind of evolves into board games and such. Mm -hmm. So I still play a lot of board games with my family and friends. And that's kind of what I spend most of my free time and gaming time on. Makes sense. As far as like the trading card games, I started out with uh, Hearthstone. Okay. From the digital aspect, sure. Right. And that one, you know, that one's pretty easy to get into. But what kind of turned me off about that was it was expensive to keep playing because you have to keep buying expansions and the updates and stuff. Yeah. So naturally, of course, I turned to Magic the Gathering. <laughs> and, and that's a whole... can't say that gets much cheaper. Yeah. yeah. So I, I currently play that with another friend, and I've been playing that for about two years now. Okay. And then on my Google News feed, I saw Lightseekers. Interesting. And so, you know, I quickly just kind of read the article and it sounded like something I'd really be into. So I downloaded the app and I just started playing. Awesome. So you you have only played Lightseekers digitally, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, do, do you see yourself getting into the physical game at all anytime? Yeah, I would love to. That's what I like to hear. I, I mean, I 
kind of figured a lot of people will go that way. Like once you get hooked on the digital aspect, if you like it enough, sure, I'll buy and get some physical product and then I'm, that, that'll allow you to, you know, play in physical tournaments and such. So that, that's, that's good to hear. Yeah. Well, and that's just a unique aspect of the, of trading card games is just being able to sit across from somebody mm-hmm. and, you know, interact with them and it's just different than uh, digital. Yeah, that, that, there's something that's hard to explain. Is that, that something about holding the cards in your hand and being able to play them and actually rotate them and all these things. That, yeah. that that's something. Well, y- you'll figure out eventually. <laughs> you, <laughs> you you actually kind of miss a little bit in the app when it does all the rotations and and all the math for you. Then you sit yeah. down with the physical cards and it's like, oh, the cards are not rotating by themselves. And you have to keep yeah a counter. <laughs> You know, what's in your discard pile mm-hmm. and different things. So Yeah, it's all good, though. So you've been playing Lightseekers now. You got kind of hooked on it. And you, you got to the point where you sent me an email over on Delivery Crab that mm-hmm. you wanted some help with deck building. Yep. And I, I, I will put this out there right now. I am no expert deck builder. There are many people who are better than I am. I, I know people who can put a deck together in their head and the first time they play it, like it, it just wins. That that's not how I I deck build. I'm not at that level yet where I can put together like a tier one deck first try. But there are some some tidbits I can give you that I know will help you along the way because mm-hmm. I've gotten to the point where I feel that I can build competitive decks. So okay. I'm, I, I, I'm hoping something in here will. will at least get you on the right path. So I kind of need a place to start with you. Do you have a, a particular order or a hero that you'd like to start with? You know, I was thinking we could start with uh, with the nature order. Okay. Um, you know, that one's kind of, it sounds kind of fun to do. H- have you played much with nature? You know, so my weekly goal online is to play 200 nature cards. <laughs> Perfect. So I, I, I threw together a little nature deck and it's, Okay. It doesn't mean many, but I just I'm just trying to play a bunch of cards mm-hmm. to get that. I understand, get, and well, so. nature is kind of a, the nice one to have that weekly goal because nature games tend to go a little bit longer, so you get a few more cards played and all that type of stuff. So, sure, that that's one one goal I I do like to see from time to time. Mm-hmm. All right, so if we we'll start with the nature deck, any particular hero that or. or Maybe let's try putting it this way. Is there anything in particular you want this deck to do or a particular way you want it to play? Okay. As far as, I guess, consistency would be my big thing. That's Um, fair. You know, as far as like having to be a control deck or an aggro deck, Mm -hmm. I guess I'd lean more towards the aggro side of it. Okay. So, so what you, you may or may not know, um, I'll just throw this out there that the, three elements that come on each of the heroes right right your, your hero has has access at least basic ask access to three elements to begin with and okay. for the nature order they are animal forest and soul and in that order the one that's always on the left in this case animal is typically your attacking element most mm-hmm. most of the cards from there are going to do damage to, to your opponent there are always exceptions to this rule, but generally you have attack on the left. The middle one's going to be your defense or healing. And then the one on the right is going to be 
basically your utility cards. Okay. So keeping that in mind will kind of help you. If you say you want to play an aggro deck, you're probably going to be putting a lot of animal cards in this deck. Yeah. When you're looking at heroes, then you may want to put a little bit of an emphasis on finding one potentially with a, the superiority in animal. An animal. Right. So you have the gold ring around the animal. Now it's not absolutely necessary to have that. Even if you want to build an aggro deck, it's just going to help you probably depending on what cards you have in your deck. So it, it, it's something to keep in mind, not a requirement though. Okay. Um, I, I guess the only one I would stay away from is like, you know, I, I, w- I wouldn't say I'm going to build an aggro deck with someone who has superiority in forest, you know, someone who's really, really good at healing. That doesn't seem to mesh very well. Yeah. Past that though, when I build decks, I don't typically worry about the hero's starting health. Mm-hmm. And I, only look at the abilities if there is one that is really going to help my deck build. Because most abilities I find, while they're nice to have, they don't typically win you or lose you the game. Right. There are some in nature that could be really good. Like, obviously, you've probably seen by now a lot of Triano decks. Mm -hmm. Because card draw in this game is, is very important. So if you have a hero that allows you to draw cards, not only is that helping you draw cards faster, but it's allowing you to draw cards during your turn, which typically you don't get to draw cards until the end of your turn for any unused actions. So anytime you get to draw cards during your turn, big bonus. So Treyano is almost always going to be one to consider even with the superiority in forest that I just told you to avoid. Yeah. Just because of drawing two cards it, it is, it is so good. Yeah. And you still want that in an aggro deck to be able to mm-hmm. cycle through your cards and get your big damage stuff out. Yeah. So and, 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 that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of the balance of that hero too, is like, they're still going to give you a superiority, but they're not going to say, Hey, we're going to let you draw two cards every turn and give you superior animal. Like, that would just be way too much, right? Yeah. Triano is always going to be in, in the conversation, I think, when you're looking at nature. Is it the only option? I don't think so. Personally, I'm a big fan of Cecilia. She does have the superiority in animal. And then she has the ability where you can d- discard a card and heal for four. So okay. her games tend to go longer just because she can heal so much. Yeah. So even if you do run up against some some really aggro deck... The fact that you can keep healing, like it prevents you from being able to, to put it on an aggressive front, but at the same time, you're not dying. So right. th- that's, that's kind of the trade off there. Okay. Yeah. That's, I kind of see where you're going with her. Mm-hmm. The, the, there are t- actually a lot of new heroes in Kindred that have, you know, su- superior animal ability. That's another thing I'll say right now because Kindred hasn't been released in the app. I haven't had a lot of chance to deck build with Kindred in mind. Mm -hmm. So these newer heroes that a lot of times revolve around the different families in with nature, a lot of times it's the uh, insectoid family here. Heroes like Hive Bark and Hive King Ixa and Hive Queen Axie, they'll see some play for sure. But as for how effective their powers are, it's hard to say at this point because I just haven't had a chance to play with them much. Yeah. 
then finally, I guess I would take a look at nature is one of the, the weird ones where I would not completely rule out one of the common heroes. You usually, when you see a common hero, you kind of write them off because they, they don't have an ability. Nobody really plays with them. They might have yeah. superiority, but Maku the Young is an interesting choice. I've seen some interesting deck builds around him that because there are so many things within nature that can occur or can trigger when you get healed, that having the ability to heal a hero for one can make for an interesting deck. Oh. So that's, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've played a couple uh, against a couple interesting decks. I've actually lost to some of those decks, but that, that's something depending how we end up building the deck, what cards we include. That's something you can keep in mind as well. So you don't always have to pick your hero right away. Sometimes you build the deck and then see, see which hero would work best with it. And, and, and you can kind of go back and forth that way. But I guess just a few of those things to keep in mind as we're going through some of the other cards that you, you, you might want to keep that in mind, keep these heroes in mind when you're picking some of the cards too. So, you know, that's interesting. You say that you build a deck, then you pick a hero because usually, I guess my mindset would be to pick a hero and it's, you know, you kind of your strategy and then build your deck around that. But, uh, I, that's interesting to build the deck first and then kind of pick a hero to fit. I mean, I, I can see it going both ways. I can see where you hesitate with that thought. But like I was saying, like unless you are specifically going in and saying, I want to play this hero. Yeah. And then you, you, you build a deck around them. Sure. But sometimes it, it can be just as effective to build a solid deck and then say which hero can take advantage of this deck the best. Because if if you put in all your favorite cards and yeah th- th- there are zero insectoid cards, then why would you pick one of these heroes that you know their power has to do with insectoid cards? Insectoid, right? Yeah. I if you don't have any in your in your deck, then it's not going to help you at all. So sure. it, you can definitely do it either way, but I, I want to try it this way. I think unless one of these have any of these heroes kind of jumped out at you. You know, no, not really. Okay. Um, insectoid ones, the ones for kindred, those sound interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, we can stay away from them. Oh, today. No, we don't yeah, have to. I mean, we, we we can definitely take a closer look at one of them. Yeah, I've never really even looked at the, the insectoid family cards. And I mean, like you said, you you've only played digitally up to this point, and so sure. as we're recording this, kindred is still not available in the app. Yeah. And so obviously, you haven't had a chance to play with any of these. <laughs> So yeah, let's let's get started on building a deck, and we'll pick a hero from the end of it. All right. The next thing I I, I do typically is I kind of like to choose my combos next because okay. some of the card choices I make later on will play into the combos. But once again, don't don't feel that this is how you have to build a deck. Because I go back and forth all the time. I'll build it and then I'll say, you know, well, I wanted these cards in here, but that doesn't make sense with this combo. So you go backwards and and take that one out for something else. Yeah. So there's always going to be some back and forth, always be some running around. But let's jump into the combos. I kind of like to do it as well because I'm working like fewest choices to most choices. There's always going to be way more action cards to choose from. But if you can kind of guide some of your decisions with your hero and and combo choices, then it'll make things a little bit easier too. Okay. 
once again, these these combo cards are very well themed. And so mm. any combo that requires payment of two animal is going to be very aggro. It's going it to like it's just going to do damage. That's all it's going to do. Yeah, just going to hurt. Yeah. It can basically guarantee that. So, if you want to go aggro, I would stick probably more towards the animal and even some soul because typically the animal is going to do the damage. The soul is going to usually magnify it somehow. Yeah. Whether it be directly in the card or magnify other damage you're doing. Okay. So we're looking at the combo. Something that, you know, jumps out is a uh, feral rage. Okay. I mean, that's straight 10 points damage for an animal and a soul. Yeah. I mean, so when you build your combos, I guess, how do you weigh, you know, you only get to choose five. Mm-hmm. So how do you weigh, you know, you know, like your cost analysis? I will definitely get into that more in the action cards. And I, I'll, I'll come back to it eventually, but it's, it's it's easier to talk about with the action cards and then you'll see what's going on. What I like to do with the combos is find one or two that you, you want to include in this deck for whatever reason. And okay. then we're going to kind of line up the other ones so that they pay for each other. Right. Because okay. the, the 100% most effective way to play combos is to pay for it with another combo. Because if you can pay for a combo with one card, you you are so far ahead of the curve. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if you're liking Feral Rage there, was there a second one that jumps out at you? Okay, and then you talked about, yeah, Vine Lash is a... That's very, a 14. Very solid card. Yeah. But as far as, like, as far as pain-wise, mm-hmm. uh, Beast Within, like, that would be a good one. I think that looks like a good one... To okay. use to pay for these other yes, combo. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, th- th- once again, not always true, but a lot of times when you have a four-cost combo in in your deck, you want to reserve that to pay for other combos. There are occasions, obviously, depending on how the game is going, depending on what you have in your hand, depending on what other, what other combos you have, too, that you may end up playing it, but... For the most part, if I have a four-cost combo, I probably only have one four-cost combo to start, and I'm probably reserving it for payment. Because once you use it as payment, get shuffled back to the deck, you can pull it again and pay for another combo with it later. That That's one of the mechanics I love about this game. Like, your payment doesn't disappear. It just gets recycled. Yeah. Those three are actually a great place to start, because they, they all line up, they all pay for each other. Something like Vine Lash is always nice to see when it's one of each, because even if you can't pay for it with a combo, the, the chances of you, if, if the deck is built well, of, of ending up with one of each element is not yeah. too hard to do. So mm-hmm. Vine Lash is great. It obviously pays for Feral Rage then, because it has one of each, and then Beast Within can pay for either of those. So that's great. We, that's three fairly aggressive cards. And they all paid for each other. So to yeah. fill that in, I'd once again go back to Beast Within and see what else can this card pay for. So it's going to be able to pay for another one like Vine Lash. That's one of each, which there should be one more. I believe it's... Actually, there's a few. Wow. Yeah, there's yeah quite a bit. <laughs> all right. So you have things like Sacred Aura, which is damage and healing. Mm-hmm. You have a newer one, Nature's Fury which is damage and healing in a different ratio, but it happens instantly instead of on the, the three corners like Sacred Aura. And yeah. was there a third? Yeah, Stampede is a new one as well. 
where you draw two cards, play up to four beast or insectoid cards without strat, stat restrictions. That wow. that is a stampede for sure. That's huge. Yeah. Even if you don't, I mean, obviously you hope to have those four cards in hand already, but if you don't, you get to draw two cards, which could uh, give you the rest of the cards you need to play. So if you wanted to try something like that, that could be fun for sure. Otherwise, I would look towards anything that has two animal. Because the beast within, that's what they double up on is the animal. Right. So, once again, you're, especially with Kindred coming out now, we have plenty of choices. Okay. So, I see um, Spirit Walk, but that's mm-hmm. a four-cost one. And that looks like that could be pretty powerful. I, I, would, not, I would not write it off, yes. Okay. I, I, that, that's one of my favorites. I put it to very good use, um, actually, in my Cecilia deck. Because if you're planning on playing a lot of animal cards, which I, I think that's kind of the direction we're headed, then mm-hmm. in my Cecilia deck, I'll say, like, there's a lot of animal buff cards. Yeah. So not only do I have enough animal buffs to typically get rid of all their buff removal cards pretty quickly, but then have Spirit Walk in there and you just get all your animal cards back. It's yeah. really annoying if you're playing against it, but it can come in really, really handy. Okay. That's one I, I wouldn't completely write off because, like I said, something like Beast Within pays for three of the four. Just have to make right. sure we have enough soul cards in our hand then so, to pay yeah. for the fourth one. And then the other thing I would do, if you want to go that direction, is find one that pay, another way to pay three of the four for Spirit Walk. Because unlike Beast Within, that we, we're reserving mostly for payment, mm-hmm. Spirit Walk we actually want to play. Play, yeah. So I would look for something that has either two animal and one soul or two soul and one animal. Okay. So let's see. So a fun one we got sometimes is like Raging Spirit. It's one you have to be very careful with if you actually want to use it because it will be removed almost instantly if they have any sort of buff removal because nobody wants to see all of your animal cards increased by three. Yeah, see, that kind of sounds like that would be kind of a necessity in mm-hmm. an animal deck. Yeah. It, it forces them to use one of their removal yeah. or buff or, or if you get to the point quick enough where they've used up their buff removal, then you can play it out there and there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. So I... Most decks, we'll, we'll get into this with the action cards too, but most decks will run three buff removal cards. So right. you, even if if you get them to use two of them early on, the chances of them even pulling the third one, depending how many cards they have left in their deck, aren't very good. So if they've used two early, you can potentially think about throwing something big like that out there. And even if they do remove it eventually, you'll get some use out of it. Right. Do you want to go with that for now? Yeah, let's throw... I like I like Raging Spirit. All right. For combos, if we go Feral Spirit... Or Feral Rage. Sorry. Mixing up card names here. Feral Rage, Raging Spirit, and then we had... Our big one was Beast Within. Beast Within, sure. And then did we decide on Vine Lash? I think or it's a good move you- for now. Yeah, what would you kind of recommend then? Well, because if if we keep Spirit Walk in there, I I wouldn't want to put another four cost. So I want something two or three. Having that three is three in there is nice. 
because like I said, the, it, if you're in a pinch and you want to play Beast Within, Vine Lash can help pay for it that way. That play, pays three or four. The, the only thing it doesn't help with is if playing Spirit Walk, it only pays two or four. So that's kind of yeah. rough, but that's why once again, we, we, we did bring in Raging Spirit. Because that pays three or four for Spirit Walk. Okay. So I think that's a good place to start. The the only thing I will say is these are all very aggressive. Yeah. So if you don't have any sort of healing within your combos, you're definitely going to want to have a way to heal either within your action cards or somehow from your hero. And that's kind of where I get into like Cecilia, where she can heal with any card. Yeah. So, something to keep in mind. We may come back and revisit this. This is what I'm saying. You can kind of bounce back and forth. And it's like, if you end up building the rest of the deck and you just don't have enough healing, or if you've played it a couple of times and you find, yeah, I'm really getting killed too quickly, that's something we can come back, revisit, and and add in some more healing through the combos. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think we we got a good start there. Now let's jump over to our action card. So an action card, it's obviously anything that is not a hero or a combo. Right. So it's your buff, attack, defend, and items. For the time being, we're probably not going to venture into items. I, I, I'm i assuming you have not built a cross-order deck if you've only played digitally. I have not. It sounds, it looks like fun, but I have not dabbled into that yet. it is absolutely a lot of fun and maybe we can bring you back on for another episode and uh, figure out how to build cross order decks but yeah. that, that that's a whole another animal looking at the action cards for nature obviously a lot of options now according to the database we have about well not including items we have 68 options and the fact that you can include one two or three of each of these cards in your deck gives you so many more options. Are there any uh, cards in particular, once again, that that you've seen that you want to include in this deck? Oh, you know, I'm not I'm not set on anything. As I'm just kind of looking through it, yeah, I don't know. I don't see. That's kind of where I get stuck. Um, you know, do I play just focus on the aggro? But then we talk about you know having some survivability and control. Mm-hmm. You know, where do you find the balance? Yeah. That's kind of mm. all right. So. A couple things to look at. First, you asked about this earlier, how to kind of evaluate what card is worth. And I'm not going to take credit for this. This comes from one of my friends, Chris. Uh, you you may have seen him. Well, he, he's been on the show a few times. Yeah. He uh, does some streaming as Dr. Atlas. I don't know if you watch any of the streams or not, but I've been doing that fairly regularly. So he, he has worked up this system. It's obviously not a perfect system, but I trust his judgment because he's been not only playing TCGs longer than I have, but he's obviously had more success with Lightseekers than I have. So when you're looking at a card, you want to start thinking in terms of actions. So not only are you are, are you saying like, oh, this does six damage, so this card is better than the card that does five damage, right? Right. But your actions are resources. Yes. His theory is that by the time you play a card, you've used two actions because you've had to use one action to draw the card and one action to play the card. So you're down two actions by the time you play the card. Mm-hmm. Okay? So each of those actions should represent, very generically speaking, one of three things. It should do three damage, 
three healing or get you a card. Now, obviously, once again, there's going to be lots of exceptions to this rule. There's going to be a lot of other factors that can come into play that could make cards better than they seem. But very generically speaking, that's that's a good rule of thumb to keep in mind. Yeah. So three damage, three healing, or get you a card. So when we're looking, if you look at a card like like Spark Wisp from Storm, it does five damage, straight five damage. So if you have to draw it, play it, you'd want to see at least six damage out of that card. So a card like Spark Wisp is playing a little bit under the curve. Yeah. Hmm. Then you get... Um, okay, let, let's jump into nature here. And you have a card like Corvid Conspiracy. You draw it, play it, it's two actions. If the card plays out, it can do a maximum of seven damage by itself. So it's a little bit ahead of the curve. Now, because it doesn't do its damage immediately, if you want to start taking that into account, you can. But that's a lot of math to work with. So I find using that very generic equation... It's a good place to start. Then you want to go play with the deck, see how it actually works in theory, and then come back and adjust as needed. Right. But that equation is a very good place to start, I've, I've found, when when looking at cards to put in your deck. Keep that in mind for now. But before I get started building any kind of deck, there are typically six, well, two cards that I put in three of each into any deck. The first three... The first set of three is going to be your buff removal. I, I I don't think I've built a deck to date that has less than three buff removal cards. Right. It's pretty standard. Yes. Like. So when we're looking at nature, we are looking at the reckless spirit, which you'll see that it basically follows the rule that we're looking for. It does three damage and, well, it gets rid of one of their cards. Yeah. You know what? That's kind of, as far as like a... Uh card or buff removal isn't that kind of behind the curve because the other orders remove you know two right off the bat and then yeah i i i I can see where you're going with that a few of them them remove two something like craze bomber removes three but it could remove some of your own reckless spirit you could say it's a little behind but like crystal leech that removes two buffs it doesn't do any damage so that, that that's that's where they kind of even out is this does three damage and removes one buff. The other bonus that you have going for you here with Reckless Spirit is that it does not have burn on it, which means you can bring it back and reuse it. Okay. And that's something you want to keep in mind too. In well, I I I won't add it into this deck quite yet, but Root Singer, if you're familiar with this card or not. Root Singer. Mm-hmm. And you move one discarded action card to your hand and increase this by one if you have more buffs in play than your target. When you're playing a nature deck, you typically have more buffs in play or it's not too hard to do so. Yeah. And the ability to re- bring back two cards from your discard to your hand is huge. Yeah. So obviously that card has burned on it, but I can't tell you how annoying it is or how, how good it feels if you're doing it to play yeah. a root singer bring back two reckless spirits to your hand yeah that's like that, nice that that's that's a way to keep somebody in check so reckless spirit root singer great combo there uh root singers in general you'll probably want some in your hand or in in your deck but not necessarily a requirement but something you you, you want to keep keep an eye on 
Okay. The other set of three that I will include in typically every deck, at, at, at least a two of, usually a three of, but it's whatever kind of burst healing you have. Burst heal. So okay. most most orders will have a card that will do six healing, just a straight up six healing. It's it's not true for all orders, and unfortunately, nature is one of those. The best we get is the stump drift shaman. Mm-hmm. It 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 doesn't give you the burst heal, but it does provide seven healing over time. So it's once again kind of ahead of the curve if it if, it, if your opponent allows it to play out. Yeah. So that I would include when we're just starting to build this deck. I include three of automatically. Now there there are other ways to heal, obviously, and we'll we'll, we'll start to cover, cover some of those. But that's something that even in an aggro deck, you're gonna want some kind of healing because yeah. you can't guarantee every game that you'll just be able to attack, 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 and they're dead before they kill you. Right. So. Something in there, you you need some way to either heal or reduce the damage that they're doing. So the other option would have been uh, the Moss Rage Defenders that are going to reduce the damage you receive. Okay, so the Moss Rage Defender, he reduces seven, right? So he, he reduces. He, he actually has the ability to reduce a lot more than that because he he doesn't have the clunky corners he just rotates during your buff phase so on the first oh, corner he reduces 3 but if your opponent attacks you twice while it's on that corner he could reduce 6 on the first corner yeah good point yeah so would he be better than the stump drift shaman let's say cuz he has the i guess the potential to it, save you more than it it, it kind of depends where where you're at in the game uh, so, like, while the Moss Ridge Defender can reduce multiple hits, if they just come at you with a giant combo and it's only going to reduce by three, it can still kill you. Right. Where, so, if you're sitting at, you know, seven health and they attack you for 12 minus the three, you're still dead. You're still, I'm still done. So, if you're that low, you're going to want to find some way to heal so so, yeah. so that doesn't happen. Now, ideally, I guess you would be want to be able to, you know, throw the monster out there to reduce the stuff and then put the stump drift behind it so you start healing while it's being reduced. Reduced, yeah. But that's not always possible. They they both have their benefits and that's why you could end up with a deck that has two of each. Something like that. Kind of kind of balance. It's like you want them both in there, but maybe you don't have enough room for three. Maybe you just don't want three. You want another attack card in there for some reason. Yeah. So it's kind of situational. Yes, very much so. A lot of it's situational. Okay. And, I mean, sometimes it's just luck of the draw, right? Sure. You definitely if you're hurting, if you're down below 10, you're going to throw out whatever forest card you have. Because you need some help. But if you have your choice, yeah, it's very much situational. Okay, so Moss Ridge Defender. What do we say? We put that on the on the sideboard? I I wouldn't necessarily even put it in the sideboard. I mean I I will usually end up with at least one, probably two in a nature deck. But it, it really depends how you build the rest of the deck and how what what you have room for. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now that we have those cards I, I I would start any deck with like they, they need to be in there so I, I i always put them especially if i'm building digitally like i put them in there right away 
so they're they're in my you know 30 cart 30 action cards and I'm like okay i only have room for 24 more yeah what do i want what do i want to do with that because the worst thing i've i've done that before is i i get up to like 29 cards i'm like all right i need one more card it's like wait a minute i haven't put any buff removal in here Means I need to remove two cards, and then you have to go to get back. my three buff removal. Yeah, so I, I always like to throw them in the right away, so they're in the count, and I don't forget about them. But then, since he said you want to build some kind of aggro deck, I would start looking towards your animal cards and seeing what kind of jumps out at you, what's ahead of the curve, what you want to play with. Looking at the animal cards, see Corvid Conspiracy looks like it could be get a lot of play. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of seems like a standard one. Yep. It tends to be most of the time. But then, you know, I just see all these choices, and then it just it's a <laughs> question. I'm like, well, do I want to, you know, like Beastmaster, for example, you know, increase the power of your animal by, you know, the corner of the card. Yep. You know, throw that in there just to keep pumping up the animal cards and kind of go that route. Sure. We, then, can, we, we can definitely give that a shot. One thing you mentioned early on, too, was consistency consistency yeah and, and the best thing that's going to give you consistency is if you can put three of everything in your deck mm-hmm. now obviously that limits how many cards you get to play with but it's going to give you that consistency okay so with that being said mm-hmm. would it be beneficial to maybe think of a um like a good uh combo so you're gonna get so three cards so that's 10 cards yep right and if three of them Maybe. are taken up with Reckless Spirit, and then I, I, I would say probably three of them between Stumpter Shaman and Mossridge Defender. I'd yeah. say at least three cards there. So you'd want some synergy between those other cards. So you're trying to just pull off the same... Sure. I guess that's not really a combo, but just kind of the yeah, same... I, I, I know, over. it's confusing because we have combo cards, but yes, yeah. it, the, the, it, you, a card combination that you, you want to play, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, for an example, so Beast, go back to Beastmaster and Corvid Conspiracy. So Beastmaster increases the power of your animal cards. Mm-hmm. And since Corvid Conspiracy is an animal card, would it increase that by, you know, the corner value? Absolutely. So th- th- that's something that I have played before. But okay. the, the, and they work very well together. The only caveat is that you need a hero that has superior animal to make it work to its fullest potential. Cause you yeah. see the, the, the way their corners are lined up is they're both have X in the first and then three numbers on two, three, four. So you need, so you want to play them on the same turn. So you need that yeah. superiority in animal in order to yeah. play both of them on the same turn. Okay. So if that's something you want to do, I would highly recommend l- sticking to a hero that has superior animal. Now, obviously, yeah. you don't need to. You could play them one turn right after the other. It, it, you just there will be one corner that doesn't get magnified by a Beastmaster. Another common one I will tell you is the Insect Swarm. Well, it yeah. doesn't necessarily look that good all the time. It's like, oh, it does one one measly damage, but it does it every turn. The card doesn't rotate. It just sits out there indefinitely <laughs> until they remove it. Yeah, so that's kind of a removal magnet, maybe. Oh yeah, it it, it is buff removal bait for sure. Yeah. Now, obviously, th- there are some people who who will just sit there and take one bit of damage every time, and if they it, once they get under fifteen, if they have something like a forge wall, 
that reduces all damage by one once you're under 15, then the insect swarm does nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it might not kill them, but it certainly will be annoying up to that point. Well, unless you have some of this increase your yes. power. Yeah. So, okay. Because, yeah, remember the, the, the raging spirit that we talked about earlier, that combo? Yeah. That increases all your animal cards by three. So if you get insect swarms that are doing four damage a piece every turn, yeah, that that's, that's dangerous. It's hard to take that for too many turns. Okay. <laughs> yes. So with that being said, you know, you want to, you can play multiple copies of insect swarms. So mm-hmm. to me, that seems like I would just put three in, three copies of insect swarms. I wouldn't say no. I, 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 <laughs> I would throw them in there right away and... It, it would only be something if we, we get to the towards this 30 cards and it's like, we okay, we have to add in this card, but we're at 30 already. What do we take out? I'd maybe consider taking out a, an insect swarm at that okay. point. But to begin with, th- there's no harm in having three because it's something, yeah, you love to get out early so it can ping, ping, ping or just to bait out their buff removal. Okay. Let's see. And what else do we have? We have... So I'm going to put three of the insect swarm in. Okay. Um, you know, we could, yeah, that's one we could take out, like you said. And then to go back to the first two, the Corvid Conspiracy and Beastmaster, would you do three copies of each or two and two? Corvid Conspiracy, I would probably put in three because even by itself, like we were saying, can still do seven damage. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that that's pretty solid yet. It, it's something that while sometimes it's nice to have one big shot of damage it'd be great if that card did seven damage all at once but then there's cards out there like mountain fort that is going to reduce all this damage and so sometimes it's nice to have a card you can play out there and it's just going to hit them every turn and slowly you know get rid of that mountain fort for because that only rotates when when they take damage yep yeah so that that's something insect swarm is great at too yeah, just hitting them one every turn and start that thing rotating. That's, yeah, that's kind of frustrating mm-hmm. to be a mountain deck against that. Okay, so then Beastmaster, should we run three then? For the consistency, it's very nice, but it'd be another one that probably even before Insect Swarm that I would not hesitate to take one copy out of if we need room for something. Okay, so I like I would list it as a three up for now, and we'll see what happens when when we fill out the rest of this list deeper okay and then looking through the animal do you see anything that would be kind of like um i guess a necessity play i i wouldn't necessarily say a necessity uh, the, the problem yeah. with some of these are that they rely too much on what the other person is doing so they're they're always a little bit riskier to play so you have like your, your infected wasp right so damage equal to the number of buffs the recipient has in play plus three well it sounds like if you're playing against another nature deck yeah it could be great but if you're playing against a a, a agro tech deck that plays next to no buffs if any like i i know there are buffless decks out there so yeah. like you're 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 not going to be doing like that card's worthless basically at that point yeah it's a discard card versus mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, yeah it, i mean if that that's where <laughs> you'd be happy to be running something like Cecilia, where you could yeah. say, okay, well, this card is useless as an attack, so I'm going to use it to heal for four. Yeah. There, there are other decent cards. I mean, Hunger Behemoth can be fun because it's an animal card that can allow, to, allow you to heal. 
And then when you get to that final corner, if they let it sit out that long, that that's always the risk is if they let it sit out that long. But you can use that attack over and over and over because it only rotates when you use the defendability. Or attack ability, right? It does not rotate with the attack ability. It only rotates with the defendability. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of like a, a double utility. You could either mm-hmm. attack with it or heal with it. Yep. Okay. So that's an option something to consider it mm-hmm. but then we also have things like the, the mantics hatchlings can be annoying as well that do damage at the start of your turn and the card only rotates when you take damage so in theory if they if they let the card play out you'll probably get two to four hits before it rotates out if they're if they're being aggressive at all yeah if they're not being aggressive you can get a lot of damage out of this thing yeah okay so that's something to consider because if they're not attacking you, then that thing is just going to sit out there on its first corner and do two damage every turn. Sounds like a great plan, but if they just use buff removal on it, it's gone. If they're attacking you, well, fine, it's rotating, but you'll you'll still get a couple of shots in at least. So it's a little bit riskier because, like I said, if they if they attack attack, it rotates twice on one turn, and then attack attack again on the next turn, you only got one hit of two in there so that's well under our curve right yeah so that's kind of risky yeah now so when it rotates it doesn't no it doesn't because the damage only happens at the start of your turn so that that, that's the section right before the buff phase okay so yeah let's uh we'll hold off we'll see yeah so i mean that that could be stuff that's above the curve (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, so then you have something like the Stampeding Tusker is is another kind of common one. It, it plays right at the curve to begin with, but then the longer it sits out, the better it gets. Draw it, play it, six damage on its third corner, and then for one more action, it has a potential to do six more damage. Six more again, yeah. And, and every time that repeats, one action, six damage, one action, six damage... That could be huge if they let it sit out there. So it's something to consider. Once again, like I said, there's there's a lot of cards that depend on what your opponent is doing or what they have in their hand. Like the Mantic's Raider, deal damage equal to the total number of cards category you choose, but in the recipient's hand, plus three. Yeah. So if they have a huge hand, your odds are pretty good. Or if, if you know what they're playing, you can kind of, you might be able to get six out of it, but it's a risk. Every time. It's a risk. Okay, so I'm looking through this. I was kind of writing down as we were talking. So I got three Reckless Spirit as my buff removal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I threw in three Stump uh, Drift Shaman sure. kind of as my heal. I threw in one Moss Ridge Defender. Three Insect Swarm. Three Corvid Conspiracy. You know, three Beastmaster. Two Hungry Behemoth. And two Stampeding Tusker. I mean, so wow, that puts me right at 20 cards already. But then if we think about our combos, we got to be able to pay for those too. Yeah, so. and that's something we'll be looking at now. Okay. So we, we, we're saying we, Reckless Spirit, that's Soul. The Stumpter Shaman, Moss Ridge Defender, those are Forest. And then that other chunk that we have, the other... I know 13 cards that we have in there for animal. Mm-hmm. 
So thinking 30 cards, if you want to be aggressive, yeah, you're probably going to have more animal than anything else. And I think for the most part, our combos lean that way. There's uh, the 2-4 the cost, both are double animal, and then every other combo has animal in it somewhere. So it's, that's not yeah. too far out of the question yet. But w- once you start getting up over over that 10, you know, over 30 your deck, you got to really find a way to justify going over that number. Yeah. You, generally speaking, you want some kind of balance, but you can definitely justify not having exact balance. All right. So the next one I would jump to then is maybe take a look at the soul cards. Okay. So See cool. if there's any... Like I said, most of these are utility type cards. Uh, some of them obviously can heal, can do damage, but they do a lot of other fun things too. <laughs> okay. So, so there's one that a lot of people write off in the beginning when they're just originally looking at cards. Anytime you see a card, says you know it starts off with two damage. It's like oh, that's not that good. But the co- coercive spirit is two damage. And the recipient moves three buff action cards from their hand to their deck. Anytime you can disrupt someone else's hand, it causes more problems than you think until it happens to you. Yeah. If you've ever had that happen to you, you you understand how frustrating that can be, especially if they hit you at the right moment in time. Like if you're holding four cards in your hand and three of them are buffs, and now all of a sudden you're down to one card. Yeah, that puts you way behind the curve. Mm -hmm. Anytime you lose three cards, because I mean, if if they force three cards out of your hand that's a full turn and a half just to regain those cards that's right. three three actions to get those cards back generally speaking so that actually does a lot of harm so something like chorus of spirit keep in mind now is it the first card i put in every deck no but it's it's definitely something especially if you're looking for another soul card for some reason it's something i would consider okay another underrated card for the time being, at least, maybe maybe this will change as people uh, start building more decks with Kindred. But the Empowering Sanctum, I've seen this one used to great effect. It All it does is increase damage done by buffs next to this one by one. So it can only affect a maximum of two cards at any one given time. But in your deck already, Corvid Conspiracy is a buff. Insect Swarm is a buff. Hungry Behemoth has the ability to do damage, and it's a buff. Stampeding Tusker is a buff. So you have a lot of cards that are buffs that are doing damage. So even even if this is just like a one-of in your deck, having that Empowering Sanctum out there at the right time can do a lot of damage. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Because this, this would be one of those, like, if, if you put an Empowering Sanctum next to an Insect Swarm, neither of them rotate. They just sit out there forever. So then your insect swarm is forever doing two damage. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so also one of those things that, you know, unless they've already used all the buff removal, how long are they going to let it sit out there? But it's, it's fun to think about. And that's why I'm saying, you know, it, it, it's a nice one of it. It's probably not something I put three of in my deck, but something to think about. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, one card in here, I would say a lot of people like to use, but. I try to use it sparingly is the fungal medium. This card looks good on the surface. It gives you options. Anytime you have those options, it's like, Oh, well I can do anything I want, but you quickly realize things like, well, I can only use one ability per turn. So I can't use both the attack and defend. 
So you only get three uses because this is not a clunky corner buff or anything. So it's, it's on corners two, three, and four. You have to use it or lose it. And if you start to analyze it, it's actually pretty well under the curve because you're looking at one action to draw it, one action to play it. So you want to do six, but then you have to take an action to use the ability. So you're looking at three actions to get four damage. Right. Or if you, if you let it rotate again and use the attack ability again, now you're at four actions to do eight damage. And then finally five actions to do 13 damage. That, that that's, that's pretty well under the curve. Yeah. Now, yeah, up front. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Cause up front, it looks like, wow, I'm going to do, you know, 13 points of damage, mm-hmm. but it's taken away from your turns and. Yeah. You have stuff. to, you have to take an action to use that ability every turn. If it just did that automatically, if it, if right. it, you played that card and did 13 damage, great. I will take that, but it's something to consider. Like it's not completely out of the question and it can be a great source of quick healing. If you're in, if you're in a bind, because healing like that would normally come from a combo where you're able to get 13 healing. Yeah. And so it's, it's a card that might really be the only reason you're able to stay alive. Now, yeah, you have to use a lot of actions to do it, but if it's keeping you alive, it's keeping you in the game. So why not? True. So once again, something to consider, but keep in mind, it may not be as good as it seems up front. Yeah. All right. So moving on to two, actually, we'll talk about three that are, are are quite common in various decks, maybe not all in the same deck. One, we already talked about the Root Singer. Right. That if you have room in your deck, I highly recommend it because anytime you can bring cards back from the dead, it's good stuff. Because that, yeah. that goes from, you know, having three buff removal in your deck to potentially... If you want to get ridiculous and say, oh, I have th- three Root Singers in my deck, and each one I was able to bring back two Reckless Spirits, so now you have, like, n- nine buff removal cards, <laughs> essentially, in your right. deck. Like, that's, in, a, in an ideal world, that's ho- how it would work. Is it going to work that way? Probably not. But yeah. just the fact that Root Singers allow you to bring back two cards could be Reckless Spirits, could be your Stumptra Shamans to heal for more, it could be y- your attacking buffs. That you sure. know, they, they they threw out your Corvin Conspiracy and your Beastmaster, and then you play Root Singer and bring them both back. Yeah. So Root Singer's definitely worth it if you have room in your deck. The Old Oak restarting up to two action buffs. This would be another one uh, great for your Corvin Conspiracy and Beastmaster. If you played them out, they make it all the way around to their fourth corner. They've done 12 damage. You play an old oak, restart both of them. They're going to do another twelve damage over time. Yeah, so that sounds really powerful. Would you want to run two of those? Of the it, old oaks. It, it, it's one of those things. Yeah, I, I if you're running it, I'd like to run two. So it, it's not like just the only copy sitting at the bottom of your deck. But once again, it's you're going to fall into the pit very quickly of having twelve soul cards in your deck, and that's not going to work. Yeah. Especially when this deck is not geared towards any superiority in soul or anything. Th- th- this is where you're going to need to find that balance. Because, like I said, these utility cards can be very po- powerful. They they sound like a lot of fun. But if they're not doing damage, they're not helping. Yeah. 
because I, I mean, unless you are playing some sort of stall deck and your only objective is to stay alive and you're not actually trying to kill them, which by the way is really annoying. But if that's your objective, you could probably add a few more of these utility type cards in there. Uh, mm-hmm. but otherwise you, you kind of have to be careful and, and watch out. The other one that people like to play a lot of that I'm not as fond of and you get very mixed reactions on from the community. But the Spectral Web. This is a card that says just simply, your bus cannot be removed or returned. And this includes itself. So while this card is out there, all your buffs are going to stay in play. Which, as I just got done saying, you know, you have a lot of buffs in this deck. And you want them to stay out there. So, yeah, people will do this. They'll, they'll throw out a bunch of, bunch of buffs and then a spectral web or the spectral web first and then a bunch of buffs afterwards. And then if you want to be really mean about it, you can use the old oak. Old oak. I was just going to say that. So here's the thing. Do you take up all the card slots with these utility cards? You know, one to keep your buffs out there, one to restart your buffs and just keep doing this thing over and over. Is that going to be enough to kill them? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I personally, I'd rather have more attacking cards in there to just kill them that way. Because, like I said, the way we're going with all these nature buffs, you're going to have enough buffs in there, hopefully, to already kind of outstrip their, their buff removal. Right. Like, they're going to play their three buff remove cards, remove six buffs, and you have... Well, we, we, uh, I think, yeah, all, all of our animal cards are buffs. That's 13 cards. They can't remove all of them. Okay. And then, you know, we'll hopefully be able to bring the, some big ones back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, yeah, that's good. So, I, like, th- that's where I say, like, Spectral Webs can be fun sometimes, but it's probably a little bit overrated. So, so those are kind of the highlights of the soul cards, I would say. There, there are some that do get used fairly regularly, like the Spirit Channeler. Spirit Channeler, okay. Because it allows you to heal when they heal. Th- that can be useful. The Spectral Mantics yeah. can be fun. This is a one you want to be careful with in its placement. Because yeah. if you have a buff that heals you placed to the left of the Spectral Mantics... The Spectral Mantics is never going to do any damage. Right. She's going to keep restarting. Yep. Because everything rotates and then you activate left to right. So if it heals you before it gets to it, it's never <laughs> going to do damage. But however, if you play your healing buff after the Spectral Mantics, that's pretty cool because then it always does damage and then restarts. So that can yeah. be kind of fun. That that's one too. The spectral mantics, uh, like I was talking about in the beginning with Meku the Young, mm-hmm. who can heal you for one at any time. Basically, a card like spectral mantics is killer in that deck because yes, yeah, yep, good. <laughs> it does damage. Right there and then too. you heal yourself even even though it's just for one. It's like oh, we're gonna restart that. Very frustrating. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of at fifteen for spirit cards right now. Just. <laughs> It's easy to get ahead of yourself. Exactly. Because I don't think we had that much room left in the deck. So, so Matt, what, what are you looking at? Okay. So, Coercive Spirit, I have one. Um, Empowering Sanctum, I have one. Root Singer, two. Old Oak, I have two. 
And then Spectral Mantrix, I have two. And then, of course, Reckless Spirit, I have three. Sure. Yeah, that, that'll take up a lot of space for sure. So, yeah, so is this something you guys kind of, or you do? I guess when you get to your 30, or, you know, there's times where you probably get over 30 cards, and you're like, okay, now do I mm-hmm. kind of, you know, trim trim the fat, I guess. Yep, and, and that's the way it goes a lot of times. I'm like, it, like just start looking through the list, and like, okay, this would go, and oh, this plays well with this card, and this goes in here, and, and then you hit that limit, and it's like, oh, okay, well... Okay, I guess I don't really need that card, or I could do without one or two of those. And so it, it's not uncommon in my deck building to to like to go up, hit that thirty, and then have to come back down. Looking at this right off the bat, I would probably start dumping. Well, actually, no. Before I get too too far into this, let's take a quick look at the forest cards. Okay. Because remember, we we do still have. The combo cards that we picked out, we want to yeah. make sure that they're, they're they're still compatible. So Feral Rage feral should be rage. fine because it was Animal Soul. And yeah. we have plenty of Animal and Soul. Uh, Raging Spirit as well is Soul Soul Animal. Yep. And Spirit Walk was two Animal, two Soul. So that's fine. The only ones that really need the Forest are the Vine Lash and the Beast Within. And like I said, Beast Within is most for payment. So Vine Lash either just gets paid with Beast Within or takes one of our currently four forest cards. I I wouldn't recommend running a deck with just four of one element. Yeah. <laughs> at, at least not when it's one of your hero's main elements like this. It's, that's probably a little bit too low. And I'm guessing... If you if you play test this a few times, you're probably going to run into a lot of times when either you don't have enough healing to stay alive, or because you have so many soul cards, you're going to have all these utility cards in your hand and nothing to kill them with. Right. So we need to find that balance. Yeah. And part of that balance is going to come in the form of more healing. The other thing we haven't really touched on much is card draw. I was just looking at the resourceful mm-hmm. sipid. Yep. Yeah, because that's kind of important to be able to keep your hand kind yeah. of full. And, and but, one <laughs> nice thing about the, the way we have things set up right now is we have a lot of buffs, right, with multiple corners. So when you put them out there, even if you take a turn to draw two, or if you're only playing one and drawing one, the other cards are still out there doing things. Yeah. And so it's 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 nice to have that kind of buffer where you don't always need to be actively attacking. You're not using both of your your actions on your turn to attack, so you can use at least one of them to draw a card. Mm-hmm. Now with that being said, it still definitely pays to have help in that area. And yes, resourceful sipid I think is another fairly underused card underrated card i've used it in a few of my decks i enjoy it greatly it's one of those i see people in the app repeatedly kind of clicking on it and it's like they're not sure what it does because they haven't seen many people play it before and then when i start healing and drawing it's like wait why did you just get a card (laughs) it it can be a lot of fun because especially when you're in a pinch and if you throw that resourceful sip it out there and you have like stumped your shaman next to it. So 
if you just healed for seven, throw the sip it out afterwards, like when it's on the third corner, and then on on the next turn you get another two healing plus a card. So it, if it only goes off once, it's a little bit underpowered. But even if the sip it goes off twice, you're you're over the curve. Yeah, because you're healing for four and getting two cards. Okay, and, and then every time it goes off, it it it's one. I feel that people undervalue when they see it in the field. And so you usually get a lot of value out of it. Like they, they, they won't remove it. Yeah. So it, it's definitely something like, as long as we have enough buffs out there that are going to be expiring, it comes in really handy. Okay. Good synergy. Yep. So I'm running, I'm running out of room in my deck. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm past a past room, but um, yeah, looking through the forest cards, yeah, what are some other ones that would be, I guess, useful to this strategy? Uh, two, two others I would point out. Uh, one is going to be Tree Sprout. Okay. Tree Sprout is a fantastic card. It, it it does almost the same thing as the Sipid, except it actively instead of passively. It, it, it heals you a little bit. Th- those ones and twos can very quickly become underrated, but they help. Every little bit of healing helps. When, when you max out at 35... Every little bit helps, but even more so, it's the fact that you get to draw a card with it. So this is another one that I love playing right next to the Sipid. If you can get that where it's played next to the Sipid, it feels like it is a third corner of the card. Because you're healing for two, drawing a card. Healing for one, drawing a card. Next turn, heal for two and draw a card. I mean, it's coming from the Sipid, but it's because the tree spot expired. So it's one I, I have started including in almost every nature deck because... It's one of the few cards that really allows for card draw. Okay. And multiple cards at that. Mm, lots of choices. And the other one I would look at would be the Forest Mender. He has two healing, and he can return any two buffs to their owner's hands. The nice part about this is it doesn't specify whose buffs they need to be, just that they go back to their owner's hands. So this can either be used as an additional buff removal card for you, which, by the way, does not have burn on it, so it can also be, come back with the Root Singer. Or it can be used to bring your buffs back to your hand, which sounds counterintuitive, but has multiple really good uses. If you yeah. d- just think, like, it, it, it's almost like the old oak that can restart two of your buffs. Mm-hmm. The only difference here would be it brings the two buffs back to your hand, and then you have to take two more actions to play them. But ye- they're not going to just cut pile, and that's that's a huge deal. Yeah. The, the other time I I first saw this used against me, and I was just blown away. It just it for whatever reason never clicked until I saw it happen. But if you're playing against a storm deck, and they have the thunder slugs, right? Yeah. Oh, the thunder slugs. Yeah. So they played on a thunder slug. If they remove one of your buffs, if you still have two buffs out there, you can play a forest mender, bring those two buffs back to your hand. So there's thunder slug when it rotates does nothing. Does nothing. Yeah. So it, it has some, some cool utility uses that people might not think of right away, but at the same time, it might not be useful in every deck it's nice that it adds a little bit of healing to it but in the grand scheme of things if it just does two healing it's not that great and 
it's, it's kind of situational. Yeah, it, it's something it's that I don't usually put in the first build of any deck, but I have found uses for it after a bit of testing. Yeah, so there's a lot of different... I'm looking at all the cards, and there's a lot of different ways to go with this. Mm-hmm. So to keep with the kind of the theme of consistency, I don't know how many forest cards I can really put in. Well, like I was saying, in the current build, I think we only had listed four, three Stumper Shamans and one Moss Ridge Defender. Have you right. added any more since then? You know, I added one resourceful Sipid. Okay. Just because I like, you know, I love mm-hmm. buffs. It puts me at five. So I would probably add a few more, yeah. This is where I was talking about before. The first places I would go, probably looking at removing one insect swarm, possibly one beast master, and then I would look at your one ofs. And the fact that, you know, you didn't think they were necessarily important enough to put more than one of in the deck, I I would immediately question, do you need them at all? Especially yeah. if you're looking for consistency. Mm-hmm. Because anytime you start throwing the one ofs in there, that, that, that's going to kind of throw a wrench in your consistency. Okay, so my one is I have uh, Course of Spirit, mm-hmm. Empowering Sanctum, and uh, Moss Ridge Defender, and Resourceful Sipid. Yeah. Okay, let me run the numbers quick. Okay, well, I'm at 27 cards right now. If you're at the 27, though, you have a little room to play there. I would personally, like I said, I, I love those tree sprouts. A little bit of healing yeah. and the card draw. That, that that can be a great even first play because get, getting your, your hand built up early is usually helpful. And the fact that it, like, it heals you a little bit, but not enough that you're going to max out your health right away. Unless, yeah. unless you have a hero that starts at 35. Most heroes start around 30. So getting three extra health and two cards along the way, like that's not bad. Okay, so yeah, we'll run two of that and that puts us at 29. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, maybe I'll throw a third, you know, that insect swarm back. That could work. So that's right at 30. And I think that that might be a good place to kind of say, all right, I built this deck. Let's see how it plays. Okay. So, I mean, that, that that's that's kind of where I start, right? It, it, like I said, I, I build a deck, I test it, I come back and tweak it. You always learn more about a deck and about your cards and about how you play when you lose. Yeah. No, nobody likes to lose, but the truth of the matter is that y- you will learn more from that experience than if you win. Because if you win, it's like, oh, my deck is great. I mean, yeah. you, there there's very few instances, like, unless you had a really tough, drawn-out game where you had to go through almost your entire deck to win, it's like, then, yeah, you might have some idea of what you need to fix. But until you lose and sometimes lose multiple times, That that's going to tell you what you need to change about this deck. If you're sure. dying too quickly, you need more health or damage reduction. If, if you can't kill them, maybe you need more attack power. Maybe you have right. too much healing in the deck. So th- th- that's something to keep an eye on. But just because you lose one game doesn't mean you have to revamp the entire deck. Anytime, yeah. you, anytime you make some changes to a deck... I would play with it at least three games before you make any changes because some of that's in, you know, luck of the draw. You're going to have bad games where you just can't pull the right cards. Right. But if it happens consistently that you feel you're not getting the right cards, then maybe you just don't have the right cards in the deck. Okay. 
So then to go back to the hero, yep. so I'm kind of, I'm looking at the, <clears throat> like the kind of two heroes stick out to me, Cecilia and I think everybody's favorite green sprout. <laughs> Cause you start the game with an additional card in your hand. Mm-hmm. Should so not be that's... underrated. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that sounds kind of, you know, yeah, I mean, especially if you're, if you're trying to be aggressive with this deck, starting with an extra card can be very useful. Yeah. Yeah, so I could oh, Green Sprout or Cecilia, sure. So I, I I could see that. Start off with Green Sprout, try that, see how it plays out, and it, maybe that that could be one of the things. Like if you really find yourself dying too quickly, maybe just try it before you change any cards in the deck. Try it with Cecilia, and see if that amount of healing that she can give you with her ability is enough to make the deck deck work. Yeah. Because her ability is one of those things that we have a bunch of those utility cards in there, and if it comes down to it, those are probably the first cards you want to ditch. Yeah. And the other thing to keep in mind, though, is that because you have those Root Singers in there, Uh that even if you discard a card with her ability, there's a possibility that you could bring them back with the Root Singer. Yeah. So if you're really in a pinch and you know, I need to heal now... A lot of times, don't be afraid to ditch even a good card, a card that you really want to play, want to hold on to. Just keep that in mind that when you get your Root Singers, that that needs to be one of the cards you bring back. Yeah. But yeah, I think this is an area I kind of don't excel in as well, is looking at a list and saying, I know that deck will do well. Like I was saying, I'm not at that level yet. I think this deck has potential, for sure. But I wouldn't know until I play with it. Yeah, and then, <clears throat> I mean, something, if you're going to be competitive, you got to think about what a, what are the other players doing, you know? Is this mm-hmm. kind of going to go with her in meta, or, you know, is it just... Yeah, uh, you got to think about that stuff, too. But I, I still say a superior player can beat a superior deck. You, you can hand someone the best deck in the world, but if they don't know what they're doing with it, it's not going to turn out well. Right. Well, good. Yeah. So this is this is a good a good list. I'm happy with it. Awesome. Can't wait to put it together. Yeah. I I, I hope it works out for you. I mean, uh, I'll probably have to find you in the app and maybe test with you. See how I'm curious now to see how it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like it. I'd like to do that. All right. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show and and try to work through this with me. I, I hope it's helped you out a bit, and I hope it helps some of the listeners out there as well. But if you ever have any more questions, please feel free to ask. That's all we have for this episode, then. Thank you, Jacob, for joining me, and I will talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. So there you have it. That is my current method for building Lightseekers decks. Just got to go ahead with an idea, build a deck, test it, make some adjustments, and keep on going. I hope everybody was able to find something useful in this episode. If you have any other hints, tips, tricks, feel free to leave them in the comments of the show notes or just leave them on social media. Learning to build better decks is something that I think we can all benefit from doing as a community. So let's help each other out, grow this game, give it some depth, and see where we can go from here. 
Thank you once again to Jacob for being my guinea pig in this episode. Best of luck to you as you try out your new deck that we built. If anyone's interested in playing against Jacob and this deck that he's built, he's agreed to give me his friend code for the app, so you can find his friend code in the show notes as well. As always, the show notes for this episode can be found at deliverycrab.com slash 042. That's deliverycrab.com slash 042. No real big announcements this week. Just keep an eye on the tournaments tab on the website for all the latest information about our upcoming tournaments. Other than that, that's all I got. So until next week, I got some more deliveries to make.